Well, welcome back to DMnastics, the gym for dungeon masters to work out their minds. I'm DM Neil, aka Joke Maniac, and I have an amazing co-host with me this time, and I will let him introduce himself. Hello. Uh, yeah, I am Will from Encounter Roleplay. I run a Twitch stream and a website and a podcast and all that good stuff. So very happy to be here. Yes. All, all the digital medias, all of them. Mm. And <laughs> we're going to tie back to episode 105 called Are We There Yet? Which, surprise, Will, you were the guest for, huh. on that episode. Oh, I was? That is a surprise. <laughs> you, <laughs> you kind of remember it. It's a blur. So yeah, hopefully we'll jog your memory a little bit. <laughs> and I was inspired by that episode to make Diamnastics number 87. It's the journey and the destination. So it's a really simple setup, as some of them are. Essentially, I just was inspired by talking about the you know, the journey that is D&D. I mean, sure, we could all, I guess, draw dots on a map and say we're there. but we Or we could go full token. And there's really no destination. It's all about walking. Absolutely. So, So I pulled some pictures off of the internet and let it be up to the forum users to describe why players would be there, how they would get there and what they would face once they arrive. So as we are want to do, we're going to showcase a couple of those ideas off of the forums. Will, I believe you had one picked out from the forums. So Frotastic's idea for number seven, Worms Teeth Cove for a hold for great pirates and uh, I love the idea that a pirate king could hang out in a place like this, in a creepy old cove. Very Pirates of the Caribbean, and with the new movie coming out, that's that's resonating with me quite a lot. I really, Yeah, I really like that one. I mean, you can see some ships off in the distance in just the, I don't know, it's almost like a dragon. Well, there's creepy stuff yeah. all throughout the whole picture. So, I mean, it really does give that pirate cove feel. There's so many pirate movies now. I don't remember which one where they all got together and had like the big pirate meeting, but it feels like. Yeah. The third one, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like that kind of thing would happen here. Mm. Um, yeah. Looks looks like a dragon like died there and then got turned into wood and then it's formed this whole kind of carapace court almost. It looks awesome. Yeah. And then there's like another piece that's almost like the Asian temple inspired kind of motif on it you mm-hmm. know, and so it gives that very eclectic feel of all these different types of pirates coming together and yeah setting stuff up absolutely Fantastic. awesome let's see or frotastic ah, see what i did there um <laughs> now i have to remember which one i picked oh no okay so my pick will be from crnf alley cat i hope that's right uh, sometimes these for, the forum names will throw me for a loop, but I think I got it this time. <laughs> and they said that it is the secluded shire of the artificer. And it was once a temple to the druidic god of the Feywild. And just that right there, just really interesting kind of mix of both dru- like nature and technology together. And this picture is absolutely stunning. Because it is exactly that. And it's almost like somewhere in between. So it's hard to tell if it's like torn down or run down or if it's just that's its perpetual state of like this balance and battle between both nature and technology. And I think it would be like a super cool place for your players to come, especially for information, but then like information at a cost. Like there are just like certain things that they would have to tackle to get in and then stay in and figure things out. So. 
Yes. Awesome. CRNF Alley Cat. It almost looks like a timepiece as well, like a gigantic timepiece. Oh. That could be really cool. Makes me think of the first uh, Tomb Raider movie with like all those pieces rotating around. Yes, yes, yes. And I mean, that was such a great movie. I, how could you forget it? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, now that we've got those out of the way, we're going to get to my favorite part and we're going to lift the mental weights right now. <gasps> Lifting weights is what I do. Look at me. Lift these weights. Never, never miss mental day. <laughs> <laughs> Leg day. Second. First, do not miss <laughs> mental day. Mm-mm. The question is, which one do we want to try and tackle? I was thinking the mystery behind number 13 with those open, sorry, that kind of open cavern and the closed gates before. It almost looks like a, like a piece out of Skyrim. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. So then the question is, there are, well, I guess the prompt questions that we can kind of answer and, you know, and of course, come up with whatever we want is where is this? Why would your players want to travel here? And what difficulties do they face once they get here? I think this is some kind of ancient temple, but maybe not to a maybe not to a god, but maybe to just like a, a way of life. Almost. I'm thinking those kind of. Dwoomer centurions, that kind of old dwarvenish sort of metallic okay. stuff. And maybe it's it's almost a temple to that kind of way of life. And that inside are all sorts of mechanical machines. Because you've got outside this kind of cold earth. And those, those almost like gargoyle harpies yeah. looking over them. And, and that's like a warning to those who are coming in here. That you are being watched by something. I like it. Well, and I, I mean, it is... Like you first mentioned, it's so stark, the contrast yeah. of kind of this valley, this rundown valley that they're going through. And you can almost barely make out that they're gargoyles. Like I could yeah. see looking at that and like passing it over. But then right behind it is absolutely pristine lines. Mm-hmm. And you know, like you said, more of this mechanical approach. And yeah. I would want there to be someone. I wouldn't want there to be a bunch of people in there. Mm. But at the end of this whole thing, there's still someone alive kind of maintaining everything. Yeah, maybe like a, a guardian or someone who's just been left behind. If the rest of that civilization or that people have been, you know, destroyed or wiped from the planet or just moved on and something is left behind. Mm. Maybe that's why the players would want to travel there. I like it. And then, like you said, there would be so mm. many systems in place with something like this, that that's the struggle that they have to go through is there's all these automatons and these traps yeah. and just generally stuff that they would have to overcome to try and get through and see and finally meet that person, almost like the keeper of the place. Like they're just stuck here. There's nothing else they can do. Yeah. You meant when you mentioned that there'd be someone left, I'm thinking maybe like a librarian and maybe this thing is just like a a sanctum of knowledge that has been locked away from the world because maybe the the knowledge within those walls is what destroyed that civilization and they've had to kind of lock it in there. Mm. And Mm. now it's the only thing that can save the civilization. Dun, dun, dun. Yes, we've got it. <laughs> awesome. Let's see. Is there another? Uh, let's think of another one we can tackle. I feel like we did that one pretty well. I'm thinking number ten, only because it deeply yeah. intrigues me. What's happening here? It's it's so weird, isn't it? It's so weird, and I love it for that. Yeah. So essentially, it's kind of looking out over this plane, I guess you would say, and all of the trees seem to have like 
lifted out of the ground and are now tethered by chains. Yeah. It's it's always like, you know, uh, we were talking earlier, it's so hot, we're talking about global warming, you know. But it's like, you know, it's almost as if all the trees are trying to leave Earth and humanity or some group of people are like, we need you, you're staying here. <laughs> Hold and on, we please. chain them down, yeah. Like, uh, they're the only things that are left. It's interesting that they've been chained down so forcibly as well because it means that they must be so important for some reason. Mm-hmm. I think that's the driving force behind all of the ideas will come up is the intentions yeah. behind keeping the trees there. You know, I mean, yeah. the trees didn't grow a chain <laughs> to the ground. Right. <laughs> you know, it, we're, we all live, we all live and play in these magical worlds. So I'm not saying it's impossible. Yeah. I'm just saying it feels improbable that the trees built their own chains. Mm. And the other thing could be that it's a special kind of tree. So, mm. oh, my mind just went crazy places. What if this is the kind of tree that they use to build ships that fly in the sky? Now, that's awesome. Yeah, because the, the bark is so light that it kind of raises itself out of the ground, so you've got to keep it down. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah I really <laughs> like that idea now. <laughs> <laughs> that guy getting fired. Hey, Steve, did you tie that tree down? No. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, you just man. watch one float off. I like the idea as well, you know, you know, you have guys around going with balloons selling to kids. There's guys going around all these trees and them out to people. That's so that's so good. Oh yeah, and just you know, there's so much intention behind it because I just noticed this path walking through, so it's almost like, yeah, this field of trees specifically built for this purpose. Or it could be even that these trees are also just used for travel themselves. You know, not even necessarily making something that would be a boat, but just using this tree as some sort of propulsion system yeah, and being yeah, able yeah. to move along and with these really interesting trees. Yeah, the, the, the skies look so troubled as well on the you know, left-hand side of the, the portrait and they go towards light in the, in the right-hand side. So it's almost like, you know, that the storm is rolling in and maybe due to the storm, they've had to tether the trees down because these storms are so common and else they'd be kind of ripped from their places. I don't know. But yeah, very, very powerful piece. Yeah. I wonder what kind of motivation players would have to specifically seek out these trees and what would come from them. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that would be awesome. Like the quest to make your own airship, Mm -hmm. you know, from these trees or um, if there's like the heart of the trees that are super important for some reason. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, and you can always go the flip side, too, is that it could be that some person or group of people think that what is happening with these trees is completely unnatural and shouldn't be that way. You know, Mm -hmm. that these people are essentially restricting this resource by holding the chains where they are, whereas a storm would take the trees and have them, you know, populate more of the world and be, like, free to grow. I like that idea that someone's, like, holding them hostage, from the rest of the world, you know, this vital resource, yeah. They've created a monopoly. <laughs> yes. I own all of the trees. <laughs> you, I am you the tree none master. Of <laughs> yeah. And I built a hotel on them, and now you have to pay me more money. <laughs> like real monopoly. I said real monopoly. As if it's a game. <laughs> as if it stands to be more substantial than actual monopolies in the well. world. <laughs> Games are real life. True. If any two people can say that, it is going to be us right now making this <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Do you have another one we could toss out real quick and start? Yeah, yeah. Why not? Let's, uh, let me see. 
Now, five is a much more sort of mechanical than the previous two. And this one... Now, I read a series of books when I was a kid, and I think it might be an image based from that. But um, I forget the name of the books, but they were all about these cities um, that were kind of powered by these giant machines. And London was moving, and you know Prague was moving on this giant oh, machine, wow. and there were colonies of people. And that just immediately made me think back to that. But in a fantasy setting, it's, it, you know, just imagine the smell of it, and the, the heat of it, and the sound it's making. And it's uh, quite dystopian, I think, really. Yeah. Yeah, and is it necessity or did they just want to? Because it almost, yeah. I mean, it's interesting to me to like think about like the concept of building that, but then mm. like how it's not completely unreasonable Yeah, because you could just start building it underneath the whole city and then once you're ready, off you go. Yeah, yeah. And the, the wasteland around it is so barren that it makes you think, well, was it like this before and then they had to make the, the moving city? Or was it that these machines have destroyed the Earth because they clearly flatten them uh, and destroy Earth? So, yeah, that's another thing. Yeah, so then, I mean, it feels like we have to go down this road. That mm-hmm. The players are obviously going to try and stop this thing. That Whatever yeah. it's doing to the world is too much and it needs to be stopped. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? You know, is the, the pollution it's spouting out what's destroying the Earth? Or does it have, you know, a giant laser beam on the front, magic, you know, uh, source <laughs> on the front, and it's just lancing through everything as it goes? But, I mean, uh, something this big seems like it would have the potential to just bulldozer through a city. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you could see why a player would need to uh, to try and stop that somehow. And it almost makes you think of them building this machine and then almost going kind of mafia style with it in that unless you pay your protection fee, we're just going to run you over. And if you do, then we'll go run over the other guys down, down the way. But if you, and and just kind of terrorizing the earth by just going around, stealing resources and essentially pushing its weight around. Yeah, yeah. And I like the, the little figure who's on the cliff on the right-hand side. He seems to be like a spy scouting it out. Maybe mm-hmm. one of the, the, the party members in this scenario who's looking for a way on board. Yeah. Seems quite Mad Max in a way. Mm, true. Yeah, because there's, lo- I mean, there's a lot of ways that you could approach the society that's on there because it's large enough to exist as like its own ecosystem. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, turning that on its head as well, what if the people aboard this, I don't know what you'd call it, ship or vehicle, are the last remnants of humanity, and everything else in the wasteland is out there to kill you, but they need to find resources. And so the party, uh, you know, their home base is this moving vessel, and you have to go out to, to find resources, you know, food, water, oil, to fuel the machine, alcohol, that kind of stuff. And I think that could be make for quite an interesting campaign as a moving home base. Yeah, when then you'd have scouting parties are completely necessary for continued yeah. existence or like maintenance crews could even still be really interesting because like what yeah. did you run over and now you have to like go down into the wheels <laughs> and the tracks and fight things stuff fight like yeah, yeah. different things off. Oh, really cool. Yeah. I like it. Okay. So the next one I want to throw out there is number nine, because this one is like mm super trippy and i'm trying to think of how players would end up here but essentially oh, it's like a mushroom wasteland <laughs> yeah. 
It just appears to be completely taken over by fungus, you know, bioluminescence, all kinds of crazy mm. stuff. But they also appear to be, I mean, the only thing I could assume is like a moon to a gas giant. Because like yeah. there's this g- gas giant just taking up what would be probably half of the sky right now. It so, looks gigantic. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I would wonder if they've been teleported and you want to go down the road of like, this is like a different plane of existence, or it could just be space. Cause I know that's one of the episodes we just had come out was D and D in space. And, <laughs> and so they could just be here trying to figure out what crazy things are here yeah. and what can they do and what can they take for their absolutely, own. Absolutely. Absolutely. It definitely feels astral in that nature. You know, you're on the astral sea, the astral plane, or, you know, you're in some kind of weird place in the Underdark because the Underdark's got all these myconids going on and mushroom oh, people. It, it could almost be like that. Yeah, if not for the, the gas giant in the sky. But it does seem like the, the fungi are almost sentient. You know, they, they're like lurching over and it looks like there's a couple of humanoid type creatures on the left hand side as well. Big stalky eyes. The floating jellyfish, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, you've got almost this jellyfish-like mushroom thing floating, but that's a really, really good take on what to do with it and make it more D&D is definitely throw it in the yeah. Underdark. And because you've got this like big ca- like chasm through the middle, so it's like perfect Underdark setting. Yeah, big spiders down there, like co-habit with the fungi. Maybe they make their homes with the webbing from the the creatures. Yeah. Big gribblies. In the best. A single failed jump check and you're gone. Forever. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's quite Lovecraftian as well. You know, it's like uh, the Dreamlands in a way. You know, if there were all sorts of gibbering abominations in here. And I, and I could see, I like the idea of like, you know, the party come through a portal from this place. Or to this place rather. But maybe a creature from this place ends up in their world. And... Mm. What if, because it's, you know, the equivalent of tens of thousands of years in the future, this creature is the perfect killer and you could go with an alien kind of vibe with it and, and run quite an exciting horror campaign. And maybe you have to go back to its origin world to find out how best to defeat it. Oh, wow. Yeah, I really like the idea of the players not choosing to be here. This doesn't yeah. I mean because it doesn't really give that vibe of <laughs> summer retreat by any means. And no, so that, sure. like <laughs> this is either the place that they have to go through to get from A to B or like you said the place that they're now at to try and figure out how to stop the big bad that came yeah. from this land. It could even be an interesting twist because I feel like that's what we're, we're being really good at. It's like twisting it at the end. Mm. What if the you know and you have this crazy thing that has come to our world but this world has drawn the players back because without what has left they're starting mm. to fall apart like the ecosystem isn't existing anymore because oh, what yeah. isn't there and so they want that big bad to be back in their world so that they can all have a continued existence and obviously the players don't want it in their world because yeah. of continued existence i like that yeah yeah and, and one other thing as well with the jellyfish fish floating in the sky it, it might be that the air isn't simply air. What if it's water or some kind of thicker kind of substance that you can float through for just an added element of the weird? It looks like the little character down at the bottom, he's wearing some kind of suit, maybe like a harpoon type deal as well. You know, maybe 
maybe you need some kind of fuel or resource that the fungi emit, those little blue pods down the right, the equivalent of like air and oxygen, so you have to swim through for an, edit, an added element of hazard in this environment because it's so alien. I like it. I think we've done I like it. this one. I think, I think we nailed we, it. I think we've, we've done it and we've lifted the mental weights. But the best question I have for you is, where can people find you and what are you up to? What do you got going on? What am I doing? Uh, well, when I'm not lifting weights 24-7 uh, in D&D terms, <laughs> I guess, when I'm not on my grind. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash encounter roleplay. But as you guys are most likely uh, big podcast listeners, uh, I run a, a Dungeons & Dragons actual play 5e podcast called Adventurers Anonymous uh, on iTunes and various other places. That, uh, yeah, I think you guys would uh, get a big kick out of listening, have a lot of weird environments, sort of cool landscapes like we've been looking at today and i think you know after this i'm going to be adding in some elements of what we've seen today into uh, that campaign so look out <laughs> awesome yeah and all of those links will be in the show notes and of course if you want to get a hold of us you can email us at dmnastics at gmail.com or head over to twitter and follow at dmnastics where you can catch all of our daily dmnastics and if for some crazy reason you wanted to follow me where i talk about stuff that i can't really talk about I am at Joke Maniac, and for everything else on our network, head over to blockpartypodcastnetwork.com. But above all of that, I just want to implore you, the listener, to join up on our forums so that you can take part in all of these challenges and exercises, as well as all the other amazing conversations being had. To do that, head over to dungeonmasterblock.freeforums.net and try some DMnastics so your players don't ask, do you even lift? Oh, I could barely lift my right arm, because I did so many. I don't know if you heard me counting, I did over a thousand. Just watch out for the guns. They'll get you.